Hello, welcome to uh, Rounding the Earth Raw. This is a live stream broadcast, and today we're going to discuss some real politic. I'm going to wait a few minutes. I know that a lot of people are um, are joining right now, joining the live stream. I have a few people texting me now. Um, if you saw uh, the other night on Steve Kirsch's Vaccine Safety Research Foundation, um, I was I was on that program, but there was not nearly enough time to talk about what really has taken place with the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database, which is the military health database. So tonight, uh, I'm going. I've got a slideshow prepared. I'm going to go through all the details, and I'm going to go through the story of what actually happened. And I think it's important for people to understand this story uh, for several reasons because I think that there is um, that there are propaganda campaigns on both sides of everything that's going on probably, but but in particular, um, the story with the, with the DMED, the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database, and, and what does that data really say? What can we glean from it? Are there, um, you know, the, uh, the major reports are things like, you know, 300% increase in cancer and 1000% increase in overall injury and illness. And um, that's not true. Um, but I'm going to explain that. I'm going to go in detail and, and I'm, I'm going to talk about some numbers that are very concerning and what it is that we should be focusing on and and why it is that it, it's, you know, it's, it's concerning in general that we don't have good information. That seems to be uh, sort of a hallmark of all of our information sources during the pandemic. Uh, before I get into uh, the DMED, um, you know, let, let's talk about all the pharmacovigilance tools because vSafe, um, Aaron Siri's FOIA request just came back with the vSafe data, but you know it, it alone is is not enough to tell us what's going on. Partially because vSafe was a very predefined system; you only had a few buttons that you could check. So you know we don't really get to the bottom of what's going on with people's blood, and that's probably uh, chief primary concern. Um, you know, we don't really know what's going on fully with fertility yet. And though I disagree with um, what, you know, some of the numbers that some people have put forth and their interpretations of those numbers, uh, it's absolutely insane to roll out a new biological product uh, in, in a large scale way without, without um, graduating into studies on people of, you know, birthing age, especially during a pandemic during which, uh, you know, in 2020, essentially nobody young of childbearing age was getting sick. And if they were, it was um, you know, probably largely due to uh, one or two autoimmune disorders that seemed to be you know, cor uh, correlated with severe outcomes from COVID, but it was not something like a broad general concern. And we're gonna see that in the DMED data also. Um, I'm gonna point that out when we get there. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and, uh, and set up the, the slideshow now. And I hope that some people are watching, or I hope that that um, I hope that people will share this, uh, who who watch this and realize how important this is, because it, it's important to get things right, and that's one of the the reasons that I'm doing this. It's one of my chief concerns. Um, part of the reason why I want to set the record straight is because not getting this right means that you're putting out information that's false, and some of this information is false and wacky, right? And when you have information that's false and wacky, it discredits your side. And I worry that um, that some of what's gone on during the pandemic is that information has been handed to people pushing for medical freedom. You know, medical freedom doesn't need data. It is a moral issue first and foremost. 
um, especially on, on, on experimenting on human people. So, you know, no matter what the data says, no matter what you decide that you believe um, about what the data says, it, it, it is just it's not right. Uh, for anything, any kind of a medical experiment to be pushed on um, you know, billions of people, uh, you know, I don't even know how many, 250 million Americans, uh, maybe a little bit lower. Uh, I hope it's a little bit lower. Anyhow, um, I'll go ahead and start here and I'll start by explaining uh, who I am and why it is that I started looking through all, all of this data, uh, why it is that I was given access to it. Um, my name is Matthew Crawford, as you can see on the screen. And uh, up until 2020, uh, I, I was, you know, making a living doing two things. Uh, I'm a former Wall Street trader. Uh, I ran one of the uh, largest buy side bond accounts on Wall Street um, uh, years and years ago um, at uh, one of the large hedge funds. And um, but I switched after spending about five years in finance. Uh, I got together with a friend and we started building educational technology company. And that company has grown uh, fairly large, about a million people have registered on the on one of the websites. Uh, over the years, um, we produced our own um, mathematics textbook series and and course series. Um, and then at some point, uh, after doing some school building after that, uh, spent 13 years doing education and education technology. Um, I, I retired from that and, uh, and went back to trading cryptocurrency once I found out what Bitcoin was and, um, and did that for, you know, most of four years. But, uh, in 2020, I dropped everything that I was doing because, you know, I, I saw that, uh, so much information during the pandemic looked like propaganda and it looked like it had the potential to hurt a lot of people. So, uh, I, I started collecting statistics, uh, communicating with some, with, um, many doctors, um, I've probably communicated with, you know, whew, I don't know, 500 doctors, scientists, data people uh, during the pandemic. But um, in February of 2021, I opened up a Substack and started, um, you know, publishing some of the results and also sort of investigative research, uh, like how it was that there was clearly a conspiracy of silence over ever mentioning hydroxychloroquine before uh, March 19th during the the Trump. Uh, press conference uh, where he talked about hydroxychloroquine and remdesivir for the first time. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of what I do is I take a look at data sets and I try to come up with a different angle. I try to approach things, um, you know, differently than, than what other people are doing. So anyhow, um, moving forward on January 24th um, of this year, there was a press, there was a, a, a hearing, a Senate hearing, um, led by Senator Ron Johnson. And during that hearing, um, two attorneys, Thomas Rins and Lee Dundas, presented information from whistleblowers about the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database. And there was immediately a controversy. A few days later, the DOD said, nope, there was a glitch in the database, so all your numbers are wrong. But the numbers presented were very, very large increases amongst the military in injury and illness. So let's let's begin walking through here and take a look. Um, I'll go ahead and mention this. Um, you know, it, it was uh, February 8th. I got a phone call from Robert Malone and uh, Robert and I had both published in our sub stacks, um, you know, questions that we had about what's going on with this information and the glitch. Um, but I want to, you know, put this information side by side. There, there are these two stories out there and I don't think either one of them is completely correct. Uh, on the left-hand side of the screen, what you see is, you know, these are the numbers that Thomas Rentz was presenting 
that there was an almost 1,000% increase in ambulatory reports among military personnel. And you've got to think for a moment. Um, it, you know, if, if you're worried that the vaccines are harming people, which I am, you know, I've published numerous articles. I think I was the first person who who came up with a way to to try to get an estimate, at least some portion of the deaths. Um, when I published uh, one of my articles in June of last year. Um, so, you know, I'm not downplaying this. Um, I think that there are anywhere from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of, of vaccine induced deaths in the U.S. alone, probably a six digit number. Um, but the numbers on the left hand side, they just don't make sense to me. Uh, they don't make sense to me because you know, this would mean every doctor's office was filled 24 seven, essentially, right. And that, that's not something that you can hide. And if it was happening in the military, it would have been happening everywhere else too, right. Um, I think that there are some very concerning increases in illness and injury, but that, um, that this information should not have been put forth without better study. Well, the DOD came out a few days later and said, nope, that was a glitch in the database. This is what the numbers actually look like. And notice the, the year 2021 is partial, so you can't really draw any conclusions yet. Um, but let's walk through the timeline. Um, so, you know, it was January 10th through 19th that the whistleblowers were running the queries. And I know this because I have all the queries um, in a folder. Uh, and I've looked through the queries and um, some of them. Well, actually, I'll, I'll get back to that. But on January 24th was the hearing. And these are the shock numbers, you know, 300 and 1000 percent increases. Um, and we'll talk about those numbers and why they might be wrong pretty soon. But uh, uh, my friend Daniel actually, you know, he posted some of these numbers on, on social media. He was pretty concerned and uh, he got fact checked by PolitiFact. Of course, they were going to find some target for this fact check. Right. So they find a target and then they say um, uh, that they talk to the DOD. There was like a one line explanation from the DOD. Uh, and, and that's that's pretty troubling. Right. There's just one line explanation. Oh, there's a glitch in the database. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But uh, February 1st, Senator Johnson sends a letter to DOD Secretary Lloyd Austin expressing concerns over the findings. And uh, here's some more from that letter. In the middle of that letter, we've got you know, these several hundred to thousand plus percent increases in some of these conditions. And I don't think that any of these numbers are correct, but we'll talk about that as we go. There are, there are signs of harm, but none of these numbers I don't think are, are anywhere close to accurate. Um, so, and, 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 you know, and that's worrying because a letter does need to be sent, right? There needs to be some sort of an investigation into what's going on. But if you have the wrong numbers, you're just going to get mocked for it, unfortunately. Um, and, and, you know, that shouldn't be the case. It should be the case that the people who are the authorities should be transparent in everything they're doing. And they promised us transparency. And the fact that they're not giving it leaves both sides open to potential propaganda campaigns. And I believe that's what we're seeing. I'll try to justify that as we go. Um, on, on February 8th on Twitter, uh, I didn't know him yet, but he, he's become a friend of mine, Charles Rixey. Um, he, he pointed out that um, that some of the, the numbers from the hearing didn't match historical snapshots of data. So, well, that's interesting. We'll see what that looks like as we go. So I'm going to jump forward a few days to February 15th of this year. There was a Navy SEAL mandate case that uh, fortunately the Navy SEALs won. And uh, Teresa Long was on the stand and she was handed a document in court, uh, like a four or five page document that was unsigned, no chain of custody over the contents of this document. But the document says, oh, you know, there's a, a you know, glitch. The, the database was corrupted due to an August 2021 server migration. 
Now let's think about that for a moment. That's the eight month of the year, August 2021. And here, here they are six months later in court, or you know, they, they didn't fix this glitch for five and a half months ish, something like that. <clears throat> so nobody, nobody noticed that the database just was missing most of the information from 2016 through 2020 until you know five and a half months later. It's it's a little bit hard to believe. Um, but I'm going to come back and talk about more of that. But, you know, an, an unsigned document, of course, you know, the judge admonished um, the DOD for not not bringing an expert witness and for having nobody take um, ownership of this information, nobody take responsibility for it. And that's been a theme. Uh, the DOD is just not really, you know, uh, committing to any kind of communication, which is very suspect on its own. Um, but the D in the middle of this document, they, they showed, oh, this is what the numbers actually look like post glitch. There's some increases, there's some decreases. It just looks like noise. You can't really tell anything from this. And if this is what the true numbers are, we, but you know, you know what, uh, over here, you know, look at some of these things, you know, pulmonary embolism, even at post glitch, the military says up 25%. That's really concerning. I mean, that's a giant blaring safety signal that needs to be studied further. Um, you know, that this is, yeah, this is heart attacks. This is myocarditis related. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's blood related, it's cardio related. And that's what we're going to see when we get down to where it is, we see problems. So, you know, th this shouldn't, you know, yeah, the, the numbers on the right hand side are probably closer to correct than the numbers on the left hand side. But as we're going to see, I don't think that that's the whole story either. So, if you're confused about what the story is, um, you know what, I was like you. <laughs> um, I, I started looking at the queries on February 10th and a few days later, um, we, uh, myself and, and a team that I put together, uh, including a computer scientist and a bio, bioinformatics instructor, um, uh, researcher um, who does you know, cancer research and genetics work, the three of us got together and we, we started looking through the queries, uh, trying to figure out what was going on. You know, could we tell anything? Did we have any, you know, could we get any new access? One of the whistleblowers did run uh, new queries for us for months. Um, and that was uh, Mark Bashaw. He was he was great, um, though. A lot of things are going to need to be run again. And I'll talk about that more as we go. Um, and by the way, uh, you know, if you do have um, comments, um, I, I will take some questions later, but I'm going to go through, you know, as, as much of this as possible. So whether you're, you're you know, if, if you're on Rumble, I'm probably not going to see your comments yet. If you're on um, uh, YouTube, I'll just um, I'll hold the comments for a little bit later. But, you know, basically going into this project, I wanted to start uh, from the beginning and I'll talk about the process that I wanted to use. Um, <clears throat> you know, both stories are problematic. Um, the idea that cancers and miscarriages are up three, 300 percent. There's not, you know, general observation of this in society, you know, that's concerning illnesses up a thousand percent, but the DOD spent so little energy and just put a fact checker out in front. I mean, yeah, this is the guy they put out in front and, and he did, you know, he, he did no investigative work. He just asked the DOD and printed their statement. End of story. That's pretty concerning. So let's talk about uh, data science for a moment. And let's talk about what happened uh, with the RINS team and, and why it was inappropriate for them to have presented their data when they did during the Senator Johnson hearing. This is the, you know, it's the scientific method, just add data. 
right? You ask a question and the whistleblowers had, they believed that they saw in clinical practice increases in some injuries and illnesses. Um, they, they performed some background research. They went into the DMED and ran queries. And, um, and I actually worried that, that those queries were sort of, I actually worried that they were pushed into looking at a corrupted database. And you know, I don't know exactly how that happened, um, but I worry either that or it was corrupted waiting for them to look into it. Um, but then they, you know, they constructed a hypothesis that, that we just had explosive rates of increased illness. Uh, but then they, they jumped to step six and just, you know, they reported the results. They, they uh, skipped past steps uh, four and five. These aren't data professionals. Right. These aren't people who who know how to conduct this kind of investigation. Um, they kind of pushed it out too quickly. But, um, you know, I, I think we, we tried to fix as much as we could, but there are still some questions and we'll get to that. So you know, I'm showing you on the left hand side just like what the folder looked like that I was given. Uh, and this was a read only folder, so I couldn't even reorganize it. Um, things were kind of named with, um, you know, named in multiple ways They're in different files. I couldn't organize and move them around. And when you look inside, there's some things about these queries. Um, so, you know, one, you had different numbers of tabs and they were in different orders. Reportable events is its own weird category. I may explain that today. I may not. But, um, you know, you couldn't even do something like write a Python script to get it all this data at once. So for people out there wondering, you know, uh, this, this was a very messy project. And one thing that I wonder, was it intended to be a messy project? Because I've done so much research during the pandemic that it, it took up a lot of my time. It was a time suck for me. But <clears throat> I want to point out uh, this right here, occurrences, first occurrence. Some of these queries were first occurrence uh, queries, and some of them were all occurrence queries. And this is why that's important. Um, let's say that you go to the doctor and you're like, oh, you know, I, I, something's wrong with my arm. You know, I'm not sure the doctor takes a look at it and, and makes a diagnosis, but you know, you have to come back maybe six or seven times. Maybe the doctor puts you on some medicine, or maybe it is that you're, you go to the doctor more often because you're a soldier and you want to be deployable because it is, it's a badge of honor to be deployable at any time. You know, you're trying to stay healthy. Um, you don't want to be that person who's, who's kept out when, you know, when it hits the fan. <clears throat> so, you know, maybe there's one first occurrence report and then there are seven all occurrence reports. So the number of all occurrence reports should be much larger than the first occurrence reports. But when I looked at the way these queries were being matched up to create statistics, uh, I think that sometimes first occurrence and all occurrence may have been mixed up in the process. So that, that I think was part of the problem. <clears throat> so moving forward. So, you know, and, and by the way, this is not an easy query, uh, sorry, easy database to use. Um, it's a, it's a database with just some radio buttons that you can check. So it's not like I could even, you know, write some scripts like I could in a, in an SQL database and figure out exactly, you know, what things look like, run, run enough, you know, join tables, figure out where things might be wrong. Now it's just, you just, you know, push some radio buttons and get some outputs. So, um, well, this is what Charles Rixey saw. This, this spreadsheet was originally taken from the Rinse website, but in, in blue, Charles Rixey put in some numbers that he found somewhere. We're going to talk about where he found them because I wound up independently finding the same source. Um, but these numbers are very different. You know, if you look, they're very different from the numbers in the yellow that were like the Rinse numbers on his website. So, you know, very different. So why were these numbers different? You can kind of zoom in and see. 
oh, you know, th these were the very small numbers on the left-hand side of Rinse's graph, but, you know, these other numbers are much larger. So where did those numbers come from? We'll get to that. Um, so, you know, one thing, um, one thing I saw was, uh, you know, people are worried about pregnancy and fertility, um, but I worry that our side is being made, um, made to look foolish. Uh, these numbers, this number right here, um, when I talked to one of the whistleblowers, uh, that person said, oh, there's no way there were 173, you can't tell me there are 173,000 pregnant women in the military. There are about 200,000 women in the military. Um, you know, what this is, is an all occurrence query. And, you know, that was an example of where the whistleblowers didn't really know um, completely how to handle this data. Um, you know, th and these aren't just pregnancy numbers. This is all pregnancy related diagnoses uh, from a pretty wide swath of diagnoses. And they, these are all occurrence. So, you know, ordinarily, um, as I understand, there's, there's probably like 12,000 or so pregnancies um, or maybe that's births, one or the other uh, in the military each year among active duty. So, you know, we start over, we start from the beginning. We want to know um, how to look through the data, how to get more data, and what does it say? So, you know, I kind of started over. I started over as if I hadn't seen anything, even though my bias was that there are, that there were probably going to be signals. Um, what I wanted to do was give this a completely fair look, uh, try to be as impartial as I could. So, you know, I, I wanted to go back in particular. I wanted, I wanted to perform the skip steps. Uh, where's the reference data? right? Okay, there are safety signals. Safety signals don't mean a whole lot. You need to go back and figure out what is background rate of illness and what has changed from there and try to fit it together as completely as possible. So where do we find that reference data? Uh, it turns out that that reference data is available publicly online at a website called health.mil. Go to health.mil. It's not easy to find this. You have to you, you go through um, you know quite a, a few um, quite a few lists, you know, before you find these publications called the Medical Surveillance Monthly Reports. And uh, it's like a trade magazine for, you know, health data in the military. Uh, there's one published each month, and once a year they publish uh, snapshots from the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database or the Defense Medical Surveillance System. These are basically, these are two databases. They're different, but one of them is de-identified, and that's so that researchers can be allowed access. Um, so they don't know who's who and know people's, you know, health records. But once a year, you get a snapshot of the database. And, what, and we're going to see this is what one of those reports looks like. And this table right here, the snapshot of the database, we'll zoom in on it in a moment. And you'll notice that there are three years here, 2016, 2018, and 2020. They kind of skip a year in between. Sometimes that's done with like actuarial data uh, in order to sort of broaden the time span that you're looking over because, um, it, you know, unless you know that there's some sort of, you know, interruption of a pattern in between, it kind of lengthens your surveillance period, right? And uh, and what all these these numbers are, we'll, we'll zoom in in a moment, but what all these numbers are, are major diagnostic categories, right? Like you have a musculoskeletal system and uh, connective tissue. That's um, those are the M codes uh, when, when a doctor codes this for medical billing purposes. These are coded as M codes and you have, you know, a whole bunch of these different codes and they're grouped into these larger categories. And that's that's a lot of what we're going to focus on. Um, but I'm going to put two of these side by side. Um, one of these was, you know, this is the May 2019 and it's got years 2014, 2016, 2018. And then the May 2021, it's got two of the same years 
right? But then it's got the 2020 data. And I'm going to point some things out. You have to pay attention to the definitions of the data because you might notice this big category at the top, it's called other, but the numbers don't match up. And that's because the definition of other, it's kind of like a bucket that you just throw a bunch of stuff into, right? Um, and I think that they started including most everything and other that, that isn't in this list, whereas they, they didn't seem to be doing that previously. So you've got to pay attention and know that you're comparing apples to apples. But you know, ultimately, we can still go category by category outside of that other category, outside of the other category, um, and we can compare what's happened with the data since we know that there was some sort of a glitch, right? What got reported in May of 2021, which was three months before that server migration supposedly occurred and there was corrupted data. So I'm just gonna point out here so far, looking at the past data from these MSMR reports, looks like it does not favor the rent story, right? These numbers don't look anything like the snapshots prior in the database, they do look closer to these numbers that came up in queries um, post glitch. Um, these numbers are not complete. This is a subset of, of the ICD-10 codes, is that those are what we call the medical billing codes. Um, they're not as large as we see them down here. So the rent story is just not right. It's not the right numbers. Um, we shouldn't be reporting it. And we've, we've seen people reporting it months and months later because instead of helping get out my findings, uh, almost everybody seemed to be interested in obfuscating them. And I'm gonna talk more about that because uh, I'm pretty pretty angry about it and it's cost me a few hundred extra hours of my life, you know, trying to get to the bottom of all this. Um, so here we are, let's take a look again. Let's compare the 2016 and the 2018 numbers since they're in, in both of these reports, the 2019 and the 2021. And here's what we're gonna see. This is a, a blow up of, of the category of neoplasms. Neoplasms are like the growths that you would get from a cancer, for instance. And the numbers reported in 2019 from 2016 and 2018 data, 123,000, 113,000 suddenly become 139,000 and 129,000. How did these numbers get bumped up by about 16,000 each? And what does that mean? So we're gonna, we're gonna get to that, but it's very concerning. My first thought was here's the real story. Here's the real story. It's not that there are these thousand percent increases in injury and illness. It looks very possibly like somebody tampered with the database to raise up the numbers from 2016 to 2020 so that 2021 wouldn't look so bad, right? And I could hardly get anybody to listen to this story, right? When I told this to Tom and Rance, I, I expected that we were going to have a meeting with everybody that was involved, um, you know, get everybody on the same page, the lawyers, the whistleblowers, anybody who had expressed a concerned interest. I had wanted for another scientist to join the team. Um, I got access to to the queries, but, you know, no, I, I couldn't, you know, I emailed um, uh, Thomas Rince, um and and Robert Malone in the same email saying, hey, let's let's have a meeting about this. Let's let's figure out, you know, how to move forward and you know how to conduct the study from here. Didn't even get a response from that email. Um, I did talk to Rince a few times on the phone after that, but eventually, I mean, he, he, you know, he, he told me it was his biggest priority in March. So it's his top priority. And, uh, and then he told me he was going to file FOIAs five weeks later, he had uh, passed the FOIAs off to another lawyer in his office. He was going to file FOIAs, but as far as I know, FOIAs have never been filed. I gave them all the information I had. I connected them with a FOIA specialist who had helped out Aaron Siri craft his FOIAs. So, you know, it was, 
I did, you know, I did what I could do. Um, but as far as I know, they, they just weren't interested and they didn't seem interested in, uh, in getting things right in the press. Uh, initially I was connected with some, um, with some people, uh, in different media outlets, but all those people ghosted me over the next few weeks. And the first group, um, that showed an interest was Pandata and I'm grateful to them. And I've, I've joined Pandata since. Um, and uh, we had a conversation in April, though the first sort of live cast conversation was in April uh, on GigaOM Biological. Um, JJ invited me on, <clears throat> JJ Cooey. Um, and I, I greatly recommend his show. Unfortunately, it's airing parallel right now, but I hope people watching there will come here. I hope people here will, will go watch his shows. Um, he, he does a lot of great work. <clears throat> He's helped me out a number of times, but so here we are, you know, we have what looks like, um, you know, increased numbers from the past. Why would those numbers be increased? Is that normal? Is that normal to have those numbers increased by, by such amounts? I, I looked back at the history. They, they have these graphs on uh, page two of these reports. I looked back at the, at the trends. And of course, these aren't the same year sets, right? Like the first two years on the left-hand side aren't in the second one, you know, 19 and 20 were added to this, but but you look, starting at around like 2012, you have these downward trends through 2018 of injury and illness, overall injury and illness. But here, these numbers get bumped up. Why did these numbers get bumped up? What does that mean? You know, why isn't why is this not like an apples to apples thing? Um, there, there are some possible explanations. One of them is that the other category, that some extra reports were pushed into that other category. But then again. If that was true for, the, for these five years, but not for the years prior, you know, why aren't you at least giving us an asterisk ex explaining why it is that the trend in illness would have changed? Like, why did these change, but these didn't? You know, if they went with a different methodology for computing these numbers, you should explain that um, if this were done in an actuarial database. If you if you update a database or, or, or your, the way you're you're presenting it in any way in a trade magazine anywhere, this always comes with an explanation with an asterisk. And and you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's there's no clear presentation of that. But I, I point out, you know, I kind of box these numbers to show, you know, these numbers got bumped up, changed the trend. So is there something going on there? And we'll come back to that. I superimposed them here to show that. Well, you know what? Let, let's start to drill in on the database. Um, you know, we, we put together several graphs and this one's a little bit complicated, but I'm gonna explain this one slowly for anybody who wants to understand what this is. This is one of the ICD-10 codes, neoplasms. This was the one they said increased by you know, 300%. Um, when you look at these bars, there are three types of bars here. The gray bar is what was originally reported in those MSMR snapshots that we looked at at health.mil. The red bar is the 2021 MSMR where those numbers have been bumped up for some reason. So this isn't just the other category. This is happening within categories and it happened in every category. These numbers were bumped up. The blue bar, those are the queries that were run post glitch by uh, at least one of the whistleblowers. So that's what this means. You can see the queries match the most recent MSMR reports. Basically, you know, there are all kinds of reasons why numbers may be a little bit different. Updating of records, moving around of, of uh, you know, somebody somebody might have a, um, a diagnosis change. Their little updates are, are fine. We're not worried about the fact that the blue and red aren't exactly, they're, they're within a tiny fraction of 1%. So we're pretty sure that these queries do match what was published in the 2021 MSMR. 
but let's take a look at this. Um, we have we have a match. Well, we, what we see is the old MSMR numbers were bumped up for this category. We can see it at least for the years 2016 and 2018. And uh, when you look back at the old, you know, we, we, we were hoping to get a comparison of 2021 to 2017 and 2019, but that never took place because when they published the 2021 numbers, they did not republish the 2017 or 2019 numbers. And I'll show that later on. So they cut me off from being able to get to the bottom of, of exactly what these, these increases are. And we can see the, the blue and the red bars, they do match for, for in all these different diagnostic categories, except for one. There's one really important category that helps us understand what's going on in the story. And that is the R codes. Signs is on the left, signs, symptoms, and ill-defined conditions. What you can see here is the blue bar does not match the red bar. That means that between the publication of the 2021 medical surveillance monthly report, that snapshot of the database, from that point to when to post glitch in the database, the R codes jumped dramatically. So what are these R codes? I can, you know, I can read the, the category definition over and over again, but this is where doctors don't yet know what's going on with a patient, right? So this is important. This is unknown illness and injury. Well, what could that be? I don't know, like a vaccine, perhaps. Um, you know, we, we didn't see this. Um, but, you know, this jump happened after the snapshot of the database. There was no big change in these numbers. Then boom, this is an almost 50% increase in the number of R codes reported. So something is going on there. Let's talk about um, let's talk about the category changes now. One thing that you can see here in the category changes is that uh, it, for every single one of them, this is genitourinary system, um, and that's and by the way that that could relate very well to um, you know pregnancy issues. That could be a fertility signal right there. We see the the 2016 and 2018 numbers bump up from past reports, you know, over 15 percent. When we looked at all the categories together, on average, they were bumped up 13.5%. Yeah, 13.1% 2016, 13.9. Notice that's pretty close to the same, right? And do we see these, these kinds of changes in previous years? No. The only time we see anything more than a tiny fraction of a percent, this negative 1.1%, this 1.2%, I bet that was actually moving records over a year, right? So there's probably just a, a perfectly ordinary explanation for that change is, is perhaps some office the sin in data had some of it misdated. So they moved the categories in the data, moved some records in the database. Um, but you don't see these kinds of leaps, these kinds of changes between snapshots of the database, and you shouldn't. And if you do see it, you should definitely have an explanation. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, questions. Um, didn't somebody think that doctors and researchers who use DMED ought to know about those changes if they were made? Yeah, even video game manufacturers do a better job of, of telling their users when the database changes. Um, and, uh, you know, is this revision historically unique? Yes, it is historically unique. Also, we don't see it in the hospitalization data. And I'm not showing you that data, but you can look in the same MSMR reports. And I gave, um, I gave citations, I gave links there so that you could go and find them on your own but we don't see these same updates in the hospitalization report. So something's going on there, you know, what's going on. Um, <clears throat> so one of the members of PAN data helped me out and called the medical surveillance monthly report. 
uh, team and said, well, let's go, you know, what, what is going on with these updates? And what they said was, this is due to telemedicine. The telemedicine wasn't previously being included in there, but was now being included. And so that bumped up all the numbers. But let's think about this explanation for a moment. Let's go back for a second. Um, uh, you know, all, all of these numbers saw increases. And we have increases in categories like neoplasms, right? Who's getting a neoplasm diagnosed by telemedicine? Um, or maybe maybe they call in, maybe they go into the doctor. I don't know. Perhaps there's an explanation there. Um, so, you know, I, I'll, I'll put a pin in that. You know, I, I, there, there are other things that have come to light since, but I'll put a pin in that for the moment. Does telemedicine explain it? Well, we had, you know, similar increases in 2016 and 19 in, in 2018. Telemedicine has been increasing like an exponential curve. Um, I find it a little bit difficult to believe that it would happen in such a flat way. But you know what it really doesn't explain is the leap in the R codes. Like these leaps happened after that medical surveillance monthly report. So, you know, while we had these little bump ups in all the categories, you still had this extra giant leap in the R codes. Why would that happen? You know, one of one of these two things could be due to, to the telemedicine reports, and maybe all the telemedicine reports are R codes, but it's one or the other because they happened at different times. One of those two changes probably isn't telemedicine reports. So I don't think they're being completely honest with us yet. But you know what? Let's let's take a look now. While I don't think that the, the rinse numbers are right, they're 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 not good comparisons, they're just wrong. Um you know, we can look at, uh, there's some, there's still some ways to compare the numbers, right? Like we can take the numbers queried in uh, February and compare them to what were the first reported numbers in an, in a medical surveillance monthly report, right? First reported without future updates, without whatever happens when they, you know, reassign things or, you know, there are going to be updates over time. So I think first reported is a good way to see changes. And we see, a giant increase in the R reports. I'll come back to that because um, this isn't quite real, but these a lot of these reports got farmed out to other places, but we don't know exactly where yet. We need to figure that out still. Um, but what we see is even without that, there's a 20, oops, 21.4% increase in genitourinary system. And, and as of the, the last medical surveillance monthly report, that's almost 25% increase that's a fertility, a fertility signal, right? It doesn't mean there's infertility. It doesn't mean that you have, you know, more miscarriages or stillbirths or something like that. But, you know, genitourinary system, that's almost all reporting by females. Um, so digestive system, that's up. Well, oh, look at this. Endocrine, nutrition, and immunity. Now, this 50% number right here, as of the most recent MSMR, it's more like 34%. You know, those the older numbers got bumped up. But let's say 34 to 50%. You know, this is immune conditions right here, an endocrine system. This is consistent with some things that we're seeing in out, out world data, outside of the military health data, right? We're seeing increases in, in some of these retroviruses that might not otherwise have, you know, might have just been totally suppressed by a healthy immune system. And maybe these vaccines are suppressing the immune system. We have seen you know, increases in COVID during the first few days after vaccination, and we've seen increases in HIV. We're going to see that in the military data also. Um, but then go down to uh, go down to the bottom: hematologic and immune disorders. 
Wow. First reported in MSMR, these numbers hover a little under 20,000 on average. And then, uh, you know, boom. And, and this number is actually 43,000 in the most recent MSMR. And I'll show that later. But I, I made this table before we had the most recent data. It's, it's a giant increase one, one way or another. This is, this is the strongest signal that matches what, what we're seeing in all the real world, world data. We're seeing myocarditis. We're seeing people collapse from uh, heart problems, heart attacks. We're seeing uh, blood disorders, these clots. Uh, you know, we don't know exactly what's going on in all these places. And, and where we are seeing increases in cancer, we're seeing like blood cancers and soft tissue cancers, lymphoma, uh, lymphatic system, you know, stuff. Th this relates. This is what we want. This is the signal. And if this health database had been intact and functioning properly and been used by the CDC, this probably would have been noticed in January of 2021. There probably would have been safety signals pretty much immediately. And I'm going to show you that there were safety signals like right at the beginning of 2021 for myocarditis. So, you know, I highlighted genitourinary system right here. This is the most recent MSMR that, that just came out a couple of months ago. Um, it was in the, the June report, but that was published in August. So like six, seven weeks ago. Um, you know, uh, 303,000. And I'm pointing out here, I'll, high, I'll blow that up. This is mostly females. So this, this is, you know, reproductive area of the body. So that's very concerning. But uh, genitourinary system, the average from the prior four years was 244,000. At this point, that's about a 25% increase. So that's that's a real alarming signal. And now, you know, here I've got, um, you know, I, I'm talking about the fact that the MSMR, the snapshots of the database were, were uh, changed over the years. Maybe that's telehealth medicine numbers. It seems to even, but, but uh, the front numbers are numbers that were originally recorded, the front two bars. And the back two bars for each one of these diagnostic categories are the more recently reported numbers for 2016 and 2018. And we can see, you know, these aren't thousand percent increases or 300 percent increases, but you can see that all the data got bumped up. So we want to know the nature of that bump up. Um, but yeah, uh, the, talked about that. So let's talk about the R codes a little bit more too. I, I pulled this graph off of a blog post by a guy named Austin um, Walters and and he showed that that R codes for this is these are R codes for deaths. R codes originally, uh, you know, when somebody dies, you may have an immediate cause of death. Some are some are obvious, but ones that aren't obvious get tossed into the R codes. And over time, these R codes, each one of these curves going down, that's R codes being apportioned into other categories. And then you have, you know, it, it becomes a stable number at the end. Um, I think this happens with you know your R codes for other illnesses also, right? The doctor figures out what they are, you know, given a few more days, few more weeks, few more months. So, <clears throat> but here, this again, this shows originally reported R codes prior to 2021. Um, the numbers as they appeared in the updated MSMR, like 2016 and 2018, the numbers had been bumped up, but the more recent queries show these numbers raised way up. Were they doing this to sculpt a trend to make 2021 not look so bad? Um, so maybe it's the telehealth medicine numbers, but then what was the first bump? If the second bump was the telehealth medicine numbers. So, you know, was the glitch random and innocuous? Would we expect randomness among rates of revision from 
pre-glitch queries to post-glitch queries. And we saw, we saw in the different categories that the, the amounts that the numbers were bumped up were not similar at all. It was different in different categories. So it's not just like a random slice of the, of the database. Um, so, you know, here, you know, this isn't random at all. You know, these were massive changes in the numbers that happened to be very specific to vaccine injury and illness. Uh, so anyway, and, and you know what? Their numbers show no increases in Bell's palsy or GMBRA syndrome. And, uh, you know, from, from other data I've seen elsewhere, I have a hard time believing that. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll keep an open mind. So here we are. This is a graph. This is post glitch, by the way. I'm, I'm pointing this graph out because look, 2020 was not a year of heavy injury and illness in the military. Um, you know, with COVID, you know, yeah, I'm sure people are going to say, well, people weren't as active. You have fewer musculoskeletal injuries. And that's true. Um, there are certain things that just went down. But the point is that this is not an emergency year, right? If the things that you do to, to have people interact less or something like that. It's not like they're not still sleeping in barracks, right? But if the things that you do cause less injury and illness, then um, if you can take precautions and the whole team is healthier and, and that's not a national security issue, then there was no emergency, right? We'll take a look specifically at the COVID numbers later because there's nothing there that says the vaccines worked. By the way, I mentioned reportable events. These are a subset of events that uh, military like top brass would look at to help quickly ascertain um, military readiness. These were on a downward trend. So, you know, when you see a bump up in 2021, should make you scratch your head, right? So, you know, back to, uh, back to this, um, you know, what other, you know, we're talking about other trends in the health data. You know, why, why, why isn't this downward trend among the reportable events? Why isn't this occurring here, it was occurring until we saw the data change, right? This was a downward trend, and then suddenly these numbers got raised up. So seems a little fishy. Um, I'm going to skip this for now. But you know what? Here's, um, here are myocarditis ambulatory reports. And this is just for one category of myocarditis. Understand that there are several other categories, and they all look like giant increases in 2021. Um, I, I wish I had them all mashed together, but I haven't had time to do that. And they took away my ability, well, the, the querier's ability to go month by month in 2021. So um, you'll see why, by, why month by month month matters anyway. And somebody might look at this and say, hey, look, there's a, a, an increase and then just a decrease in 2020, but it looks like you might be just heading on a trajectory. Well, you know what? Here's a possible hypothesis. I'm not convinced that you know COVID appeared in late 2019. I think that uh, that the virus or whatever is causing this illness may have already been, um, you know, traveling around the world in 2018, 2019. And there are other data sources that make it look like this. So um, that's a reasonable hypothesis. And uh, so but one way or another, if, if it were SARS-CoV-2, if it were COVID causing the myocarditis, we would expect to see 2020 looking pretty bad. Right. So it's not. So here we are. I broke this down into incidences by month. So that's why uh, these numbers are lower than the previous page, but I did that in order to compare it to month by month in 2021. And the moment people start taking the vaccine, January through March, we see a, an increase in the monthly rate of myocarditis. When do we see it again? 
heading toward the mandates. The mandates were in August, right? That was when the line was drawn in the military. So both during vaccine initial rollout and heading up toward the mandates when people started getting vaccinated again, we see um, rates of myocarditis jump to levels never never seen, in, in, at least in the modern military health database. So that's pretty concerning. So now let's talk about the vaccines and their efficacy. Uh, the thing that we're told about the vaccines that they're supposed to be successful at is uh, dealing with severe COVID-19. That's supposed to be the efficacy, right? Well, you know, look at the hospitalizations for COVID during 2021. Okay, well, maybe, you know, more people got COVID in certain parts of the year. So what I did was I divided these hospitalizations by per month cases to get a ratio. This is hospitalizations per case, which should be a pretty good test of severity of COVID. So, and by the way, I'll show this later. We have an increase in COVID case rates and we have an increase in COVID case severity. And this is not a Simpsons paradox for the people out there who know, know what that means in data terms. We've got this broken down into every single age band in the military. And we see, you know, we see these trends happening very similarly uh, among most all the age bands. So, you know, that, that's not a real good signal for vaccine efficacy. So no matter what, you know, no matter what the, the database says about injuries, and illnesses, um, the vaccines just, they have negative efficacy according to the military data, even prior to Omicron. It has nothing to do with Omicron. This is 2021. So, um, yeah, um, I'm just going to let that one stand alone. Um, and this is a little bit sad. Um, you know, we saw an increase in the rates of, you know, ambulatory and hospitalization reports, especially hospitalization reports for suicide attempts. And, uh, you know, you, you have to wonder, you know, this didn't really go up much in 2020. You know, I suppose you could say it could be prolonged lockdown weariness or something like that, or, you know, just general despair. But, I mean, what, what we see is this, this number shoots up when the vaccines roll out. Suicide attempts, hospitalizations for suicide attempts. Um, yeah, I, I, I looked into uh, military health profiles and asked myself how many people should be dying in the military. And that number for like non-combat deaths um, looked to be about two per day, just according to, you know, actuarial age bands. Pretty, just two a day, and that's it. When we look in VARES, even though VAERS is a very underreported system, we can kind of see how the data piles up. Look at this. This is way more than two. You should only have about two people in the military per day dying. And, and I'll justify that number later. We'll get to see um, the actual death reports that were finally published uh, you know, just about three months ago. We see, you know, enormous clusters of people dying. This is just one aircraft carrier. Uh, I think I think the number got up to like seven in a matter of just a few weeks. And here's the numbers that were finally published um, maybe three months ago, um, deaths in the military. And you'll notice like a lot of the deaths, okay, total deaths, you know, around a thousand, um, you know, biggest category, uh, accidents, 
not much combat going on right now, fortunately. Um, you know, homicides remains pretty consistent. Where we really see changes, okay, illness right there. Um, and and you have to wonder, yeah, actually 2019, if you saw earlier, 2019 was actually the bump, the one bump in injury and illness reports, ambulatory reports prior to 2020. So there was more injury and illness in 2019. And, and there's been suggestion that some of these numbers may be like delayed reports, some of this 190. But you know what? I'll go ahead and take the data at face value. That there was um, a bump from an average of about 170 to 190. Maybe there was a little bump in 2020. But then there was a big bump in 2021. And understand some of these are still pending, right? The pending numbers also started to grow. So this grow, this may turn out to be larger, you know, compare 170 to, I don't know what this is going to be. Is it going to be 250? That's a more than a 40% increase in deaths by illness, if I'm right about that. Um, you know, here we saw the uh, ambulatory reports for and, and hospitalization reports for um, self-inflicted mortality go up, but here we see it go down. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious about this. I'm questioning maybe some of these pending will wind up in this category. I don't know. Undetermined also, you know, it's bigger than usual number. You know, looking at mortality, it does not look like vaccines were good for the military. Um, we also have a temporal relationship with strokes. That looks pretty clear. Again, VAERS is very underreported, but you can't ignore, uh, you know, the, the time scale. Same thing with uh, cancer reports. And there's only a few of these, right? But it would only be a few cancers, I think, that would be, you know, quickly affected by something like um, a, a transfection that may have, you know, a, an unknown consequences going on. Um, well, welcome in. <laughs> uh, you know, welcome those who are uh, who are watching GigaOM Biological. Um, we, we've gone through most of the presentation, but please do go through the video because I'm being pretty thorough here. Um, so here we are. Let, you know, let's talk about why it is that we should have known about these numbers long before the rinse hearing, right? So the rinse hearing, you have these shock numbers. They turn out not to be correct. But let's understand, um, the CDC put together this work group called the Vaccine Safety Technical Work Group, VAST Work Group. And uh, the VAST work group, you can see they, they're supposedly taking data from VAERS, Vaccine Safety Data Link, Veterans Affairs, Indian Health Services, Department of Defense. Did you ever see a report with any DMED numbers during all of 2021? Had you even heard of the DMED? I hadn't. I hadn't heard of it until January, right? Uh, never heard of it. I found one single CDC report that referred to DMED data, and that was when they finally announced that myocarditis was an issue. They they mentioned numbers from the DMED, though the numbers don't even match what I see in these queries. So I, I kind of wonder, like, what does this mean? They, they had a temporal relationship, but it doesn't even look like what I suspect is true, given the VAERS numbers, given that VAERS is so underreported. So, you know, it, if, if the CDC is doing its job and paying attention to safety signals, and if they care at all about what's going on in the military, this is the military. This is a matter of national security that we pay attention to what's going on in the troops. And in fact, that's part of the reason why a lot of the troops volunteer for experimental medical therapies is because they assume that the data is going to be used to help people, if not the military, right? It just doesn't make sense 
that if the CDC was supposed to be looking at these numbers, why didn't they catch the glitch in the database, which was supposedly introduced in August of 2021? Why would they not have had some sort of an automated process of bringing in the 2021 data and comparing it to the five prior years? And those are the years that you've won anyway, because uh, 2016 was the first year that ICD-10 medical billing codes were used, and that would be all the data that you would want to compare 2021 numbers to. So it's it's either they just weren't looking at the numbers or they hid what was going on. They hid the fact that the database was corrupted. Why would they do that? Were they setting up something like a giant confusion campaign? I've actually grown over the last eight months gradually to thinking that might be the case that that the reason um, you know that the reason these these numbers were so crazy in January was just to begin having people argue over the wrong data. So I can't remember what I was doing there. Kind of timelined this, but um, you know, we, we've I think we've covered this. Moving on. Um, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, this is this is where this is where sabotage could occur. This is actually a sworn declaration from uh, a lawsuit on the left hand side, um, and this lawsuit refers to eleven hundred percent increases in morbidity and mortality. That's why this is important. You know, and that's why that's why Thomas Rent should have pushed out my findings. Should have pushed out my explanation very publicly, just as publicly as he did with his original numbers that had not been well checked by something like a data expert. He should have put these numbers out so that every journalist reporting on this would know to correct their stories, would know not to push out the incorrect information, and this information winds up in a lawsuit. Is it possible that it could hurt that lawsuit? I really hope not, right? Um, yeah, and, and this is, uh, you know, current. this is a lawyer currently representing uh, the whistleblowers, um, who I think are going to be part of the testimony or at least sworn declaration um, for um, the FAA, um, you know, flight surgeons. So, you know, I really hope that that all the aviators, you know, get medical freedom and that we stop all this nonsense of you know, not allowing them to fly. I worry that it's the people with with blood disorders. Right. We saw no matter what you say about the data, we see a giant increase in hematologic disorders. And flying causes clots at random among certain people, or, or not entirely at random. Of course, the better health you're in, the, the less likely you are to get them. But, but we've heard of more, you know, aviators coming forward saying, you know, they they had injuries or they saw they had clots or, or you know, new people who had clots or new people who had died. Um, you know, so this is a very dangerous thing. I hope this lawsuit, you know, helps the aviators uh, get back their medical freedom. I'm going to jump through some of this again. And uh, I'm going to put, and by the way, you know, if my hypothesis is correct, and all of this is about causing chaos and confusion, it matches the chaos and confusion caused by keeping a database like VAERS. They've known how to improve that database for years. They've done studies on it. They've paid, uh, they paid data scientists, they paid people at Harvard to do a study. How is it that we improve this database? And they looked at the recommendations and they did nothing. They just spent money on the study. They've known for years how to make VAERS a better database, um, make it a better reporting system. Um, but still, you know, lots of doctors and nurses have never filed a VAERS report at all. 
Um, but I want to point out here we have you know more confusion as to what's going on. Um, what is this confusion? Well, the medical surveillance reports on the left, you know, this is prior to 2022. They would report three years at a time. And then they told us, well, we started including telehealth medicine data, but they're not going to show us the prior two years. This is the most recent one that was published two months ago with just 2021 numbers. They're no longer allowing us to just look across columns for comparisons or to see whether or not the prior numbers have been changed relative to prior reports. Right. So they, they you know, I, I think that they know about my investigations. I think that they know about my data. The public doesn't know about my data. Um, you know, not not many people seem to care about getting it out. Uh, I got ghosted by several journalists. Um, you know, I, I was interviewed multiple times by multiple people who never released those interviews. Right. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit. Um. So the answer is no, I, you know, I don't think so. Okay. My first thought, and, and my opinion has changed over the months, right? The first time what I said about um, the server migration was probably a time, and, and this still may be true. Actually, I, I do think there's a very good chance this is true, that the server migration um, was a time when they could alter the data and then um, you know, possibly add some reports if you add reports to a database, usually the database indexing, like there's a number associated with each report, right? And this happens in indexed order. You go up one, up one, up one. So if you add a bunch of reports, they're going to be at the end of the database. If you want to disguise that fact, you run a server migration and you re-index all of the reports. That way, new reports on 2016 data don't look like they just came in in 2021. So that is a good reason that they may have the glitch may have been a real glitch, or it may have been intentionally left in disarray. But one way or another, the server migration would have been a way to cover the fingerprints of any kind of database manipulation. And uh, I don't know 100% for sure that that happened, but it's concerning enough. And this is a matter of national security, right? Somebody should do some sort of an independent audit of that database, and that should be invited in by any military you know, leader who cares about their troops and who cares about the national security of troop readiness. It almost feels like there's a lot going on that that's, you know, intentional. So um, here I, you know, this again, this is from the new MSMR. I, I put I, I copied this this graph again. I wanted to look at this graph right here and compare it to the prior years. And when I do, I find even that graph changed. Right. I have this arrow going in all three of these graphs because you don't have the same years. Obviously, it's like 10 years up to the last data point in each of these. So I, I put the, the tail of the arrow at 2012 and the tip of the arrow at 2018, just to show the changing shape of the data. And then it changed again. So if they had fixed the glitch and there was nothing else going on, it was wrong. And they had all the data and that was all fine. Why did the shape of the prior data once again change? So, you know, like I said, the other category does involve some change of definitions from time to time, but it's not even just like, like this is, this is too much. You have a complete flattening of, you know, this part right before the tip of the arrow, you have a flattening of that right there that got smoothed out. And that's what I was pointing out to people that we could see this discrete jump right here. Well, if telemedicine data was added since then, it should have bumped all this stuff up further because the, the nearer year should have more telemedicine, right? 
That's a new phenomenon that has only been recently ramping up. So the fact that that prior to 2018 flattens out, well, that's a little bit weird, right? And we get the new data point right here. So doesn't, you know, I don't know, it doesn't look right to me. So now let's talk about the, the campaign of confusion. Here's why this is important. You know, on the left-hand side, um, this was uh, an attorney, uh, Todd Callender, and he, he nobody had told him about my findings. Nobody had told him. And so he, he was invited into this, you know, Reiner Fulmick um, interview in, in March. And I didn't know about this until like some number of weeks or months later or something. But he was invited into this interview and he exclaimed that there was an 1100% increase in, in mortality and morbidity, I think was the phrase that he used. And I think that that's a phrase that he understands from like actuarial data. It's not really, there's no mortality data in the DMED database, right? So, you know, it's just, just Ill illnesses and injuries, just morbidity. Um, but because I hadn't, you know, nobody had connected me with him to brief him. We hadn't had a big meeting. I wasn't the leader of this project, right? I was like an outsider invited in to do the data work to see what happened. So like, I, you know, it was difficult for me to take the reins and take, re or, you know, leadership. I don't know who's being told about the data, you know, sort of behind my back. Every time I talked to any one person, it was never in a group. It was always one-on-one. -on -one. And if you think about that, well, either that's an extraordinary lack of leadership on the part of Thomas Rents, an extraordinary lack of leadership to not get everybody on the same page, or it was an attempt to manipulate me by keeping me from being able to keep tabs on who knew what and the way the information propagated. That's how you run a chaos and confusion campaign. Uh, the people who aren't in on the campaign, uh, you keep them... You know, you, you, you don't bring them in to talk to a group of people at once. And Pandata was the first time, you know, over two months after my findings, Pandata was the first time that that had happened, where I got to talk to a whole bunch of people. Um, I'm very grateful that the other people who stepped in and interviewed me, including Tessa Lina, um, because the Pandata interview didn't come out for, I don't know, three months or something because they edit their interviews. Um, Tessa Lina's uh, came out earlier. And of course, Giga Ohm Biological, as I mentioned earlier, uh, was the first to, uh, to broadcast uh, my findings. So, but you know, all of that, that was, you know, weeks and weeks later. Um, so here you have this testimony, you know, being transcribed of the wrong data. And I think that that discredits us because I think that, that anyone who is skeptical of that data is just going to dismiss um, us as being a clown community. This is why, you know, and I have no idea what the chain of information was from that information to Todd Collender. Was there somebody in there who was manipulating him and then making him the spokesperson of that data, right? Why would I be bypassed in terms of the role of explaining that data to people? Oh, he has experience with uh, actuarial stuff. You know what? I spent two years working as an actuary. I can talk about data. I've written textbooks. I've written a data manual. <laughs> right. Uh, it, you know, it, it's just sort of nonsensical not to invite me into meetings where that data is explained to people. So um, and if there are groups, you know, if the FLCC or the CHD wants to invite me into a meeting to explain all of the data and I can pull out I can pull out queries too. I can pull out more. I can make more slides. I can um, get you know more detailed about this. And then uh, Naomi Wolf in April, she was on uh, Bannon's War Room. And um, she was putting together several pieces of data, but she was, you know, reading sort of a report that included uh, the DMED data. And she was, you know, reading alarming rates of, of you know, uh, pregnancy-related injury and illness that just wasn't true 
in the DMED numbers, not any trustworthy DMED numbers, right? I think the reports were put together improperly and there wasn't due diligence on um, you know prior background rates to understand whether or not the data was reasonable and it was not, as it turns out. Um, and uh, you know she she called me after I I pointed out in an article that um, that she had the wrong information and then um, we had a recorded forty five minute conversation. She never published it. So um, and and this is this is a major problem, right? We need to have chain of custody of information of where it comes from. If you're not if you're not understanding what the source is or or who you know gathered and related that information, or if she's just getting it off of Thomas Rince's website, right? Notice that you know on the website there aren't many of the actual queries shown, right? The the people who who talk about the shock numbers never just bring up the queries to show you, you know, what the numbers look like, or almost never, not never, but almost never. Um, and, and that's a problem that that's chaos and confusion. You can see that's going on months later. You, know, you can see this tweet right here. Oh, I cut off the date, didn't I? I think this tweet was from August. This is a tweet coming out of an account. And look at this account. Look what this is. Sergeant in the U.S. Army at Psychological Operations Warfare Specialist. That's a POG group. There are four propaganda groups, you know, psychological warfare groups in the military. Uh, two at Fort Bragg. And I, I suspect that's where this, that's who this is. This is somebody at Fort Bragg. Why is this person at Fort Bragg tweeting this out? They got <coughs> thousands, I think maybe a five digit number of like likes and retweets. And this is six months after I figured out what's actually, or, or at least figured out that the original data wasn't right and had pretty good um, indications as to what we should be doing to get to the bottom of the story. Why is this happening? Why is this, you know, why is it that my tweets about this get, you know, 30 views and nobody important retweets them out? <clears throat> it feels like, it feels like people in the alternative media may have even been briefed not to push out my information even though it was the best information, right? Um, this is why journalists would ghost me, right? And, and I would love to talk to Daniel Horowitz, but, you know, he, he sounded interested in talking to me. You know, I last email I sent, it was just sort of like a, eh, I'll call you. <laughs> and that was months ago. Um, and he had initially reported on the DMED story, but just, you know, erased one of his articles and just sort of left, left the hole there, right? And, and he's a smart guy. Right. He's he's the person that I could talk to where he and I could have a conversation and the audience would have an understanding of the fact that, you know, the the rinse numbers, you know, the 2016 through 2020 data did not match prior publications. It did not make sense at all. It was just a job not completed, um, not done by anybody competent with data. Um, <clears throat> and we can see, you know, more people tweeting out, you know, this one, uh, this is, you know, News Nancy. Um, you know, tweeting out getting you know thousands of retweets and likes and this is august right here this is august and i contacted her and i said this isn't quite right look at this these are my you know i, I sent her a link to you know a, a page where i have like, several of my articles and she just retweeted that link out you know with no no real like explanation no connection to the prior tweet and you know it's just a link there's no picture there there's no it, it doesn't do a good job of updating things right i felt it was a it was a pretty half-assed way of you know not acknowledging that there was actually just a giant problem with this tweet she didn't take this tweet down or anything um <clears throat> but that's what happens when you let misinformation propagate for months this discredits our side 
right? Tell that to people that you know. Point out to them that there are chaos agents on our side. And I'm going to have two weeks from now, ho hopefully sooner than that, but I'm, I'm going to do an, R, uh, an RTE raw presentation. I picked out one person, done a lot of research. Lots of people have pointed to this person as I've started to call around. They said, oh, I saw signals. I started taking notes. I talked to this person, that person. Everywhere this person has gone, chaos. And I'm going to name that person. I'm going to go through the whole history. This person, um, you know, fomenting violence, um, guns uh, involved. There's, there's a lot of stuff uh, going on here. Uh, so question from the audience. Do you think that by exposing military corruption, where there is far more money involved, you are more than poking the bear, but pissing it off. This seems the thrust of what you're saying. Well, you know what? I, okay. Um, here's the way I'm going to answer that. <clears throat> um, I personally, I think that all signs point to the DOD as far as control over gain of function research. The NIH really just looks like a funding arm of military biowarfare research in a lot of regards right? A lot of this research winds up taking place at Fort Detrick. You know, there's, there's always involvement by, you know, either, mil, you know, military or DARPA or, you know, this is, this is the military's domain, right? This is international warfare, offense and defense. Um, either you're taking on the DOD or you're not even taking on anyone, right? And so, you know, if anybody, if you, either you're spinning your wheels and wasting your time or you're getting to the bottom of the power mechanisms and control behind all of this. And I'm going to, and, and for those who, who don't ordinarily watch my feed, for those who aren't familiar, my person, my strong opinion is all of this pandemic, all of this pandemic is not really about a virus. In fact, um, I'm not even sure that most of the damage in 2020 was due to a virus. I, I think that it's very possible that possibly upwards of 90 or 95 percent of the COVID deaths or, you know, the severe illness that it, that uh, this was from negligent care. Right. We've seen like, you know, uh, the Holyoke nursing facility where people were just, you know, uncared for, you know, wallowing in their own feces on the floor, you know, not fully clothed. Um, we, we've seen a lot of really horrible things. We've heard stories from hospitals um, that sound like clear miscare or just an attempt to you know, shove remdesivir into people who may or may not even have COVID, <laughs> right? Um, you know, whatever COVID might be. Um, so, you know, ultimately, ultimately, it, it seems like we are, um, it, it, it seems like we've walked through sort of a, a propaganda campaign. And you know what, it, people, people worry about the CCP that's coming out of China. I do not believe for a second that our intelligence agencies, which are many times more well-funded, which are larger than, than all the other intelligence agencies in the world, would not have had some sense that there was an operation going on and, you know, it, at all, right? And they would have just let this happen to us and to the whole West. I think this is all about the dollar. I think this is all about the financial system. And uh, fortunately, I'm not alone. Uh, I, I watched an interview last night with um, Catherine Austin Fitz and Whitney Webb. And Whitney Webb has been uncovering a lot of information about how you know, Epstein, you know, the, the story with him is not just sex trafficker who liked little girls. The story with him is financial crimes, blackmail. You know, he's, he's you know, dealing with Gates. He's dealing with people at MIT Media Lab, right? And I'm going to try to go into those stories in future broadcasts. That's the reason I'm doing this. 
this late night, you know, um, raw thing, right? We're, we're going to go into the real politic behind all this. Um, but I'm not the only one. I, I, I told friends in early 2020, I said, look at the repo markets, you know, from September 2019, the repo markets collapsed. That's either somebody getting information about the upcoming pandemic or propaganda campaign or whatever you might want to call it. Or that's people um, getting information about, you know, a virus traveling around. Probably they don't trust any of the other banks all of a sudden. This is probably somebody had their finger on the button and pushed up their offer on the repo rate. And then somebody else who may have also had that information but was waiting saw that move. And then they did the same thing. And suddenly there's a race to the bottom. Everybody's interest rates goes up, goes up and, and boom, there's total mistrust in the system. Um, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I do think that, um, that you know, everything that's going on in the financial system, I think, is completely connected to the pandemic. And maybe the whole pandemic is sort of a giant propaganda operation, but it may be one that's actually also still killing people. Right. So. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad I'm not alone uh, about this observation about uh, the repo markets. Um, interestingly, uh, if somebody could uh, send me, um, if, if you don't have my email, uh, send it to crawford.matthew.gmail.com. Matthew is with one T. You can see my name uh, on the screen, uh, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, send, connect me with that person. I, I'd love to talk to anybody who who has that sense and, and to uh, maybe interview them and talk with them about it. Um, you know, like I said at the beginning of the cast, uh, I, I'm, I'm a former Wall Street guy, right? Um, I, I, you know, a lot of my contacts felt like, you know, they felt like they couldn't talk about things that they heard. So there's that, but I, I have heard some information from a few people. Um, so, yeah, that, that's where we are. I guess that's the end of the slideshow right here. So I'll, I'll pull this down. Um, I may do this once again. Um, like I said, there is a need to rerun queries. Um, there is a need to, uh, you know, uh, write what happened with the R codes between when they were querying, there were 2.7, 2.3 million or something like that. Now there's um, 1.3 million as of, uh, as of the more um, recent. Actually, I'm going to bring that up again. I, I should, I shouldn't have brought that back down. Um, restart this. This is real important. We don't know the numbers yet. All the queries need to be rerun. And the reason why all the queries need to be rerun um, is because, uh, now I'm just going to go forward back to uh, the most recent MSMR report. You know, look at this right here, R codes, 1.3 million, but you saw my queries from, you know, or Mark Bashoff's queries from uh, February, mid-February of this year, there were 2.3 million. So why are there 1.3 million now? It's because some of those get recategorized out of the R codes and into the other codes. So we have 1 million injuries and illnesses that have been recategorized. That means that we do not yet know all the actual rates of increase in injury and illness, right? I, I, I can, you know, I can look at the like hematological immune disorder, you know, numbers. I can match them over here to numbers over here and, you know, on the left side from previous reports, but, you know, like the individual queries, like myocarditis, right? Maybe those myocarditis numbers are going to look even more sharp. And some of the different myocarditis queries do look more sharp than the chart that I showed you. Um, but now that the R codes have been distributed, all, if you want to know whether or not there's, um, you know, specific categories of injury and illness have increased a lot, look at them now. 
where did those million records get partitioned out to? If we see that, we will know whether or not the CDC was doing any pharmacovigilance on this data at the beginning of vaccine rollout, because we will see, I, you know, myocarditis, we already saw it in January, just sharp increases. And then again, during the mandate period, I think that I think that we're going to see more of that. So if we rerun the queries again, and that's a lot of work. That is a lot of work for the whistleblowers. I can't run those queries. I'm not given access. I'm past unclassified queries after that's done. So that's where we are. And I'm going to stay here for a few more minutes, uh, take questions. Um, you know, thank everybody for, for coming. You know, I, I, I appreciate um, that people are interested in getting to the bottom of the truth and are interested in, you know, like I, I'm, I'm not trying to, to tangle with anybody who, who's you know, doing a good faith effort of looking at all this data. You know, the fact of the matter is, though, um, there's something wrong. There's some, there is some sort of chaos operation going on. You saw the tweets, right? You saw one of them coming from a psychological warfare group. Um, you, you, you've heard the way, you know, um, different people have, you know, interviewed me and never released the interview or ghosted me after they said that they were going to interview me. Uh, it feels like somebody somewhere made the decision to create a false battleground. And, uh, and, and I have a hypothesis about this. Um, again, uh, you know, it's going to be a week or two. I'm going to have to continue to collect information, but I have names. I have events now. So that's, we're going to talk about that, but, you know, please tell, uh, please tell people that, you know, who are interested in what's really going on. Uh, please tell them about this video. I'll take questions for a little bit and let me uh, bring up the rumble feed because, um, I know that there are you know, probably people watching there who may be asking questions. And, you know, if you appreciate this, please subscribe to the channels, right? Um, you know, it, it, it helps me run this. Uh, you know, I've given up making a living outside of this. I mean, a much better living before I started doing this, um, by, by more than an order of magnitude, uh, closer to two, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we appreciate, um, any financial support. If you want to, you know, uh, give a donation over rumble rant or, or on the live stream on YouTube or wherever it is you might be watching, um, you know, uh, Rockfin or elsewhere. Um, you know, it's definitely appreciated. Um, you know, right now I'm using that to uh, subsidize Liam. And I think that Liam has a, you know, very good career in podcasting and, um, and whatever he wants to do as, as, as an artist. Um, but so I don't I don't see any questions right now coming through the chats on Rumble. going to, take a look at a different screen just to be sure because we usually do any more questions um what's what's the thing about tom luongo what's up there appreciate your support uh, right now there are about a thousand people paid subscribers to the Substack. And that's greatly appreciated. That has allowed this to, to go on and continue. Um, you should make it a condition of. Being interviewed. What should be a condition of being interviewed that it, that it gets shown? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm not usually a person who goes out for a whole bunch of media interviews, right? Um, 
you know, in, in the future. Yeah, sure. Um, I, and I had that thought was if anybody else uh, asks me for an interview, I'm going to, you know, have it in writing that they're going to release the interview because I think that that has, um, that has enabled uh, anybody who would be interested in, you know, running a, a propaganda campaign and uh, controlling the information flow. That's what it is, is controlling the information flow. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, how will you or anyone know which data is correct? Israel, Israel didn't collect data for a year. Okay. That's a good question. And um, my answer is this. First and foremost, we should be able to look in the database and have some way of backtracking and finding out if any records have been changed. That's real important. Second, we should be able to see when it was that telehealth medicine records were suddenly inserted because that's that's the second excuse we were given, right? We weren't told glitch in telehealth medicine records. We were just told glitch. This is why everything the DSD, DOD does. And I think that they're telling the truth as often as possible. Sometimes in language that can be interpreted in multiple ways, sometimes in ways that may be misleading. Um, but I think they're trying to tell the truth as often as possible. There may be also there may be adjustments that were due to telehealth medicine. And then there may be that other adjustment to the R codes, for instance, that may have been a whole bunch of records that were additionally inserted that just like the 2021 records could then be portioned out, you know, parceled out into other categories in order to plug holes and hide um, and hide what the data said before. But, um, you know, the only way to really know is to get into the database and the database history, right? This database is sent, and this is baffling. This is shocking. There's a giant contract for this uh, with a company called Unisant that is a, a contractor with the DOD. Um, they, you know, that all this military health data is passed to a corporation outside the DOD who processes it. You know, I think the only thing that, that could be processed really is, you know, maybe some sort of record keeping or something, but then de-identifying the data. Like you can't train somebody in the military to do that. I, I know plenty of people in the military. I know people who have been on subs underwater and handle radar and much more sophisticated equipment than that. And, uh, you know, you're telling me that, that you can't have one person trained to understand how to handle that database and, uh, you know, build a small team around that. That's nonsense. That is totally absurd. That is a that is the creation of a national security risk, but it is also creation of a loophole by which it is confusing where the chain of custody of the data takes place, right? That's what I mean by confusion campaign. You know, the existence of this, it, it's a national security threat on multiple levels, and it separates, it separates the, the military personnel from leadership. It separates the U.S. public from the military in, in sort of a, a social way, right? Understanding, like, who, who can be trusted and all that kind of stuff. Um, how do I stay positive? You know what? Um, <laughs> uh, I've been in some awful fights for, you know, really since childhood, Um and, and really, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and mention this. Uh, I grew up in sort of a quasi cult uh, that was, um, I think, puppeteered by the DOD. And, uh, you know, it, it, everything about it was horrible. It was very violent uh, circumstances that I got out of as soon as possible. Um, it's part of the reason I worked hard and left for college on a full scholarship. Uh, it, it, you know, there's some point in time, I think, where you where you have to make an accounting where you, you know, your life is about something, right? And just go, just go with it. 
you know, why sit around being depressed? And that's not to say that I don't get depressed from time to time, but you know, uh, I, I think that you just have to make a commitment toward whatever your values are. You either lose those values and go along with whatever somebody is pushing you into, or those values are good enough that that is the reward of living. So I've moved toward that more over the years. Um, well, looks like uh, comments have stopped coming in. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and leave it here. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And um, we'll do this again. I'm going to try to live stream uh, once to twice a week in the evenings. And I promise to make it worth it.